I didn't look like I was too lost up here, did I? I mean, I was standing there for a while. <laughs> well, look. <laughs> but, I, but I'm delighted to be here. I, I know that because anytime you can be in a place where people want to praise the name of the Lord our God and worship him, that's where I want to be. And that's where I know where you want to be, too. Um, many names. Some call me Shep, Arthur, Ar- it, trove of names. But um, Arthur Shepherd's glad to see you this morning. Glad to be here. He is. Um, concluding this book of James, months, I guess, weeks now, James. And, and me, I, I always loved the book of James. I, I just remember that as a child. Uh, that was one in my adolescent years. That was after John 3.16. That was one of the verse, first verses I memorized and was proud of that was James 1.22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, therefore deceiving yourselves. It recalls me back to even younger days, the book of James, and that one verse there that I always remember. So it's good to be a part of this series. I'm ending this series today. This is it. Don't be sad. (laughs) This is it. James right here. We are those. Let me just give you a little background, a little context. In the book of James, they were, he gives series of warnings and instructions because the Jewish believers had been forced to leave Palestine, and there they were. And it was all due to persecution. Life was getting hard. And being both Jewish and Christian, they were in that pagan culture receiving a lot of hostility. And you can imagine that maybe. So James, throughout this book, he wanted to instruct those believers. He wanted to encourage them, lift them up so their hearts would swell up to persist and do well and finish well. Thus the title of our message today, Finishing Well. Finishing Well. How many of you desire to finish your life with the Lord and his kingdom work? How many of you desire to finish well? Some of you. (laughs) James, James is strong regarding church life, and he gives us some instructions. So I'm going to just give us a go back, and then we're going to come forward here very rapidly and get through these 13 through 20, verses 13 to 20. Instructions from James. He asks us all throughout his book to seek a right attitude regarding temptation. What is your attitude? Be doers of the word and not merely hearers only, thus deceiving yourselves. Here he says here, if you forbids the believers to slight the poor in favor of the rich. That's a common theme throughout the New Testament. Then we go to faith without obedience is a non-starter. That's not a saving faith. And then he finishes up here with grow in patience and suffering until the Lord's return. So the whole idea for me today is to get you to these last few verses of finishing well. That is living your life out gratefully, joyfully, and faithfully in complete surrender to God's call on your life, no matter the circumstances. Are you up to it? It's going to take some help by God Almighty, too, but it's going to take some choices and decisions on our part to live joyfully, gratefully, faithfully, in spite of the circumstances, what our life circumstances are, where we've been, where we're headed, and some of the ups and downs. Then I also want to send a reminder to our young people. Finishing well isn't just for people my age and up. No matter your age, 
Finishing well begins today for everybody. You want to start your finish today, no matter your age. So let's get to the verse. We're going to go to the end first. I did a little flip-flop today. I don't know what gave me the authority to do that. But in trying to get those verses in, and then I realized um, their prayer is a strong component, but I wanted to get us to the central theme, and then we're going to back up and get into prayer because prayer is what's going to help us ride through this central theme of finishing well. Is that fair? My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What if one of you wanders from the truth? What if I do? Or maybe you're there with the attitude, it might be you, Pastor, but it won't be me. Not me. Oh, but I know you've all been there. I've, you know... Past 50 years, uh, one of the you know, people come and, go, come and go. You're a transient community, too, with the Navy, same in St. Mary's County. So people come and go, and you love to hear the good reports of those that moved to California in the service and all around that they're doing well, serving well. But sometimes you didn't receive that call or that note or that letter or hear or heard about it, that somebody's no longer serving and under God's grace. And Paul in 1 Corinthians He warns us from Israel's history of taking God's grace and goodness for granted. He said, look, so if you think you are standing firm, take heed lest you fall. We can't take our salvation for granted, even by God's grace, even though salvation can't be taken from us. True believers live out a life in grace and glory and worship. Then we're going to get some more counsel here about that from others in the Bible. Judas, do you think as a 29-year-old serving in the inner circle of Christ, fellowshipping with the other 11 disciples, do you think he was going to fall as far as he did? Do you think he thought that? Or did you think he was in? Here's how we find the end of the life for Judas. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Judas, even the disciples he served with, didn't see or sense this fall. It happens, it happens in the church. I want you to finish well. Then, another one, Demas, serving in ministry, a faithful ministry partner with Paul. Here's what Paul writes about him. As for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And I'm going to stop here for a second. We heard there was hostility for those Jewish believers, right? and oppression, and fear, and all that, and Paul wanted to gird them up. But I don't know if it's direct hostility to us in, 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 in America. We know that the world system is hostile to, hostile to the things of God, right? We understand that clearly. But I want to say, I think the church is more like Demas uh, here. Our prosperity, our prosperity picks us off more often. 
There's other things to do. We find other priorities with our income and with our time. I know nobody's been overtly hostile to me in the last week, but I know what my mind says about what I want to do and what I have to have, and I cry out to, oh God, keep me where you want me, because you know me, I may wander. I haven't let you go already, have I? (laughs) Then here's what Jesus says. Now, this is Jesus talking to you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Mm. Mm. See, Jesus sees and knows inside of every heart that's sitting here right now, including mine. And he knows, he knows clearly those who want salvation in heaven on their terms or not. He knows. So Paul wants to give us some good counsel. I'm going to move ahead. So here's what we do, church. Today we're going to examine ourselves based on what Paul's told us. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So you all ready to examine yourselves with me this morning? Now, why are we going to do that? I'm not calling out any names now. Here's why we're going to do that. Because this is for our good, yours and my good, and for God's purpose. We're going to examine ourselves to see if we're up to persevering and finishing well and what we have to do. We're going to examine ourselves if we're up to spiritually where we need to be so that we can protect others from falling away, from wandering from the truth, right? That's what he asked us to do in 19 and 20. We're going to see where we are so that we can come beside people. We can speak into their lives and bring them back from wandering from the truth. And then thirdly, we have to go to prayer. Because I know one of the biggest uh, escapes and what happens is why we often wonder is because we don't commune with God on a regular basis. Knowing that he hears us and desires to answer his prayers as long as they're in his will. I hope you agree with me on that. So let's read this again one more time. I want to go right here, these two verses. So we get it one more time as we head in here. My brothers and sisters, if one of you, that's all of us, should wander from the truth, that means it could happen, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Now we prepare to be that one that brings that person back. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from what? Death and cover over a multitude of sins. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand. Don't do it. You don't have to raise your hands. But how many of you, God covered over a multitude of sins in your life and brought you back and and convicted you, pursued you, claimed righteous on you, set you up, cleaned your heart, gave you a new heart, and planted the Holy Spirit in you so that you have the power to live your life out as you do now? How many of you? I got two hands. If I had four, I'd have to put them up. So, many are wandering from the truth today. Most, most research shows that many in the church and religion is just an option for many and a list of priorities. 
See, God said, what did he say? Have no other gods before me. He didn't say have a stack of them and then just as long as you put me first, right? <laughs> he, said, he said none. So that, that option system, that's why I was talking about Demas. So we, we've now, because we're so affluent in so many ways with time, resources, transportation, uh, communication, all of a sudden, I'm going to ask you, there's another one just, just off, off the top. How many of us have our time, there's competition for time in so many other ways than it is for church and ministry and for winning the loss to Christ than it was maybe for you 10 years ago, but you've let competition come in? That's a question you'll have to examine yourself on your own time with. But I happen to be the pastor, the one ending a series that was given these two verses to bring that to you. We can't skip the truth. So number one in preparing ourselves to persevere, number one is we must agree with God and how he reveals himself in Scripture. And first it starts with God of creation, the inerrancy of Scripture. We must agree with that. We must agree about who his son is, that he's a God in the flesh, Savior, Messiah, Redeemer. The third Godhead of the Holy, is the Holy Spirit must agree with his role as the Godhead. Salvation. Agree with God on his, on his son's return, the new heaven and new earth, hell, marriage, human sexuality, and then with what he says in Matthew, loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So you ask yourself right there in your first examination, do I agree with God on all those things? Because if you don't, the door, the door to wandering is just now cracked open. The first thing we must do is agree with God in all those areas according to Scripture. And the best way to not wander from God is don't let a crack get in that door, right? Don't let it crack. So we're going to acknowledge God who He is and we're going to agree with Him. And sometimes even you've been, you've been a believer for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you're going to have to re-go. Because there's a crack or a fissure in that door. Now we've got to really go back and examine ourselves. And say, Am I in full agreement? Is all my life in agreement with God? But you know, just agreement and acknowledgement won't do it. You know our arch enemy Satan. Do you know that he, he knows who the Son of God is? And guess what else he knows? He knows Scripture. But he didn't surrender to God, did he? So the second one is, once you agree with God, as a believer, you agree with God, get back to agreeing with God, you're going to have to surrender to the Lord. Jesus said it first. He says, in order to be a true disciple, you must deny yourself. All right, I got a story about surrender, a biblical story. I was uh, with a group of men. I heard there was a great men's group last night. Sorry, I missed it. Uh, am, am I right, men? Yeah, yeah, you can woohoo up in here. <laughs> so, so the men had a good time last night, and then I was with a men's group uh, called AIM, All in Men. It's down in more St. Mary's County way, and would love to partner here too, because I'm a member here. That would be only the right thing. But the men's group, All in Men, we have, well, we meet a lot. Not, we'll meet regular, but then we have three meetups in the spring and the fall, as we called them. And I was, I let off in the first one. It was a 
It was about the man Samson. But I'm not going to bring it to you like that, but I'm going to give it to you almost like that in a small snippet of how to surrender. You know who Samson was, right? Old Testament judge, the deliverer for Israel, because you know that was the leadership at that time. You went from Joshua, and then between Joshua until your new king Saul, they were judges, and they were deliverers, delivering Israel from their enemies. His parents set him apart at birth with the Nazarite vow, the Nazarite vow, no cutting of the hair, no fermented drink, and no touching anything dead, keeping yourself clean. That included an animal or family member. It says that the, at his birth, the Lord blessed him, and he was given that supernatural strength, but Samson did not surrender. Samson lived life on his terms. He sabotaged that Nazarite vow every which way he could. And the big theme, Samson, he had an appetite for foreign women until his death. Come on. Even the Philistines, the arch enemy. He gets to his life, and now we're at the end. And there's Samson, living his life out. And, but the Bible says he fell in love with this woman named Delilah. The, the Philistine leadership says, wait a minute. The guy that's been keeping us, this strong man that's been keeping us from oppressing Israel, Delilah is in a relationship with him. We'll get her to tell us where does he get his strength from. She went after him. The Bible says she nagged him and nagged him. It did. It did. And let me say this. Some, especially to my men, how many times has sin nagged you and nagged you and nagged you until you gave in? Don't let a crack get in that door, men. Don't do it. Bible says she nagged him until he let in him and he said it was his hair. That Nazarite vow, that long hair gave him his strength. She told, they came one evening, laying in, it, in, in Delilah's lap, they came, they subdued him, they gouged his eyes out, and then brought him out to mock him and make fun of him. Samson was a goner. There he was in the temple of Dagon, the foreign god that wanted to revival the god of the Bible. Brought him out for entertainment. Finally, Samson, in his surrender, cried out, Sovereign God, remember me. Remember me, O Lord. Please strengthen me one more time. As he reached, as he reached for those pillars, got somebody to get him there he couldn't see and put his hands there. He now had the strength to pull him down. The temple of Dagon dropped, killing 3,000 people, including Samson and Delilah. Bible says he killed more in death than he did while he lived. He surrendered to God. He died delivering Israel because he died to self. Finally, putting God and his people first. In order to finish well, you must surrender. You're talking to the first person that knows. I grew up I knew James 1.22 with all my heart. 
then I decided that I could not be, don't put me in the category of Samson now, not be Samson, but I decided that I could have it both ways. God could have let me go, but he called me back. And, but I knew that day he called me. I couldn't have strategies, opinions, tomorrows, or maybes. I knew I had to surrender, and I had to do it now. And God was good to his promise. He forgave me, stood me up, and gave me new life. It's going to take agreeing with God to persevere, and it's going to take surrendering to God. There's no other formula. Number two, now, we gotta, now we've got to be strong. We've surrendered to God. Now we've got to be strong so we can protect others, don't we? See, there's many that you may know. Who do you know that maybe, don't, that you know maybe has, has left the faith or not investing like they used to? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody here. But you're going to have to know the gospel of salvation. You are. The church's top priority is salvation. Men, what we did, what you did, what we did last night is a mean to get there. Fellowship, introducing, loving one another, strengthening one another, being a place to invite one another so they can hear the gospel in Christ. And then we're built up so that we surrender our lives and then we can win. Because anything else we do, we could do in heaven itself and we're saved and go on. But, but it requires us here in our life, our number one mission, is to bring the lost to Christ. So here we go. I'm going to give you three verses. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. And then he's going to sum it up right here. Sum it all up. For just as the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners. All of us were born, were given a death sentence, born into sin. You have to agree with that. And do you know that that's one of the most hated doctrines in the, in, in the Bible almost? Now that people don't, nobody wants to be called a sinner, that they were born in sin, that they had to fall away in the beginning and choose not choose God. But you were, you, no one, no one comes to God, no, not one. We were born, we were born sinners. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the disobedience of one man, Christ, the many will be made righteous. Born, separated from God, deserved judgment, condemnation. Christ comes along, took our judgment and condemnation at the cross, and he remembers our sins no more. God sees us as righteous. He remembers those sins no more. Righteous by faith alone, in Christ alone. Which remind me of, I was preparing and you're thinking, I think it was about 25, maybe 28 years ago, I, was, uh, I went to the Delaware State Penitentiary. Penitentiary. Don't get any ideas on that one. <laughs> Prison ministry was vibrant in St. Mary's County about that time. Several churches in the church I went to. I wasn't in the ministry, but they would, wanted to go to the penitentiary a couple times and asked each time because... What would happen, there was praise and worship on Friday night, right there. I mean, it was different. It was lockdown. You know, the doors were shutting behind you. 
It was totally different than anything I'd been a part of. But then on Saturday morning, with those prisoners, we played softball. We went out in town to lunch, came back, and went into the gym to play basketball. And I remember, I'll just tell you this quickly, I remember that first jump ball right in the middle. The one guy looked at me, I mean, he was right, stared right at me, he said, you're in my house now. But Friday night, what a night of worship and praise. We were there, some of, some of the um, a minimum security were right in the um, chapel, just like you, sitting with us. But then up in the balcony, there were, many were ushered in in, ch- in shackles. But the thing I remember the most, Friday night, when the praise and worship was over, what I remember the most, I went up to the podium just like this, you know, with the angle on it. And there was a plaque there, just like a trophy plaque, screwed to the wood. And it recognized a man that who gave his life to Christ in prison, but yet he died in prison. This man, this man was in prison for 20 years, serving the Lord there because he found Christ while he was in prison. And then it remarked how he's in heaven now. Then I thought about salvation, and I said, so wait a minute now. A man in prison, serving out his time, his debt society, doing it well, the power of the cross comes to his life, and now he's in heaven. And then the man that works beside me, fictitiously works beside me, who has everything in a family, home, everything he has, is for the good, does well in the community, but he rejects God of the Bible. Salvation doesn't come in the form of a look, what we have, or what we think we can do. It comes through the cross. And our man at Delaware Step Penitentiary, some of them spoke about him, how he accepted Christ and his life changed. You could see it. You could tell it. And he never went back. Every true believer, to know the gospel, and you have the uh, the ministry of reconciliation, to bring back those who wander. You have it in you. Each one of you today, be encouraged. That isn't left for Dennis, the elders, or anybody else. That's for you. You have the power. And then here's what it tells us in Proverbs 11. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who's wise saves souls. That's you. So we're going to What? Agree with God. We're going to surrender to God. We're going to equip ourselves with the gospel of salvation, leading people to Christ. And now we're going to model it. See, some, we need to walk in wherever we go saying ministries for us. We're not going to walk back from it. Young people are for us. Giving's for us. God's plan is for us. We focus on the positive. We do not grumble. We focus on salvation, the gospel truths of salvation. We have to model what we agree with. And that door to wandering won't open. Now, you know, I appreciate your patience and listening to me. We've all listened to many messages of our total life. But we also know that sitting here, it sounds good. And we can do it. But it's scriptural too, not the way our flesh fights our spirit. We're going to need that power to head on out. But also, it says here in this scripture, you're going to see in a second, the power 
the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to agree with God, surrender to God, model him, know the gospel to be able to reveal the gospel and then have powerful and effective prayers? I'm here today to tell you, you can. That's why the Holy Spirit's in you. That's why you have a new heart. That's why you have the mind of Christ. You have all of that. You're rich. You're the winner getting up every morning. You have truth on your side. You have the hope of eternal life. Let's read this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them in oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer often in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous is powerful and effective. Do you agree with God on that? That the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. See, when you're in trouble, the Bible says pray. Happy, cheerful, praise. When you're sick, pray. Pray for each other. You are in a church. You're sitting in a seat in a church right now that prayer is paramount. Each week, the elders, the prayer team invites you up, and they'll do, we'll do that in a minute, to come up and pray with them. I know it's a daunting task to come up in front of people, and sometimes it even might require humility on our side. But if the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective, and we're not just talking about beleaguered prayers. Here you're talking about life-changing prayers. Prayers bringing a prodigal back to the father, healing a broken heart, spiritual protection over a child, breaking the chains of addiction or sin that's inside of you that's setting you back, that's causing you to wonder. Prayers seeking God's forgiveness. Prayers of redemption and praise. Prayers that lead people to Christ, covering over a multitude of sins. That's what can happen here every Sunday. And if still that's daunting to you, meet someone after and tell them I'd like to schedule a time to pray with you eager to pray with you. But in this passage, I also want to tell you that some, some theologians, pastors don't see this as when you pray for this, that it's all about praying for the sick that is the physically sick. As you can see, we don't have time for that. This is a message unto itself. But we also, but we also know that it's sick for those that are weak of heart, that may be wondering, they may be confused, I've been a part at least two, three times of being homes as a deacon, elder, leader in the church, anointing with oil on those. But when I think of anointing with oil, what the Bible says too, I, I go to Psalm 23. David says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Are you with me? Come on. See, when we talk about anointing that head with oil, the ministry refreshed David while he was there encircled by his enemies. The prayers of the righteous with oil given in a consequential time refreshes you, delivers you a new mind, a new heart, and a new way of thinking. 
So that then you side you with the power of you working with God and the Holy Spirit that you can survive and you can deal and you can move forward. Don't give up the opportunity to prayer, the prayers of the righteous. Because see, our God heals. He delivers. He forgives. A prayer that refreshes us to move forward in perseverance. I know you don't need a new start, but how would you like this? The freshest start you ever got starting today. Now remember, no matter your age, you're finishing well starts today. How many would you like to have the freshest start you ever had starting right today to finish well? Come on, I know I do. Matter of fact, I'm not, I don't know why I keep talking about myself being that old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you right now, I want to I power for fresh start because that's what I think about the most is here I am. I at least can count the years. And I said, what am I going to do with these now? There's no excuse. You can count them. What are you going to do with them? A prayer life that refreshes us to move forward in perseverance. A prayer life that gives us strength to protect, to protect our brothers and sisters in Christ. A prayer life that is powerful and effective. Isn't, isn't that what we want, believers? Yes, it is. You know it is. So as we leave this place, as we leave this place, it's on you. Powerful and effective prayers. Fresh start. Strong enough to protect. Agreeing with God. You're going to have to continue to examine yourself, right? It doesn't end here. Examine yourself to see if you're on the road to finishing well. When I was about, oh, 1967, my father said, told my brother and I, well, I had three sisters too, but he came right to the point. He told my brothers and I, he says, next Saturday, be ready. There won't be any of this playing around. He says, because your mother and I are on a church plant team and we're going down to that Callaway, old Callaway lumber, comp- lumber company and that's when we start to get it ready for church. Total surprise. So in that church plant, we always had guests, you know, like from an association or the state convention. And there, there was a man there that my mother talked so high of, Dr. Gresham. And, and he was, he was, he preached well. He, you could just see it in him and, and, and it was so attractive. And, but I was young, but so then, you know, I told you that I stepped and, and but he was so attractive. But I hadn't seen the man in 25 years. And then one day, he was, one evening service, he was at a church I was at. There he was. I said, I can't go tell him what's on my mind. He's too busy. Lord said, go talk to him. Can't do it. <laughs> Let me hang on this wall. This is good. But finally, I went up to Dr. Gresham and told him. I said, you don't, you don't remember me, and you probably don't remember my parents. But I tell you what, 25 years later, you still being active in the Lord, serving faithfully, walking in joyfully and gratefully. I says, I can't tell you how attractive that is to a young man. So some men in here, women too, that you say it's, well, wait a minute. You have, you have so much to give just in your spirit, your drive, your commitment to the Lord, your agreement with the Lord, your attitude that you can just abound and grow and refresh this place. And then your prayers are coveted. Nobody's out of the game. I want to tell Dr. Gresham, 
what he meant to me. And there's many men in here and women, I'm sure, that others could go up. I don't know you all that well yet, but I, I tell one, one gentleman every Sunday that he encourages me. Just his mere presence. He doesn't. Well, we have it all, really. Are you strong enough spiritually to protect and defend for others? See, when you do it, it covers a multitude of sins and God remembers them no more. Be, be honest about your prayer life. You can be powerful and effective or you can stay where you are. This week, let's examine ourselves because here's why. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him and through him, we might become the righteousness of God. And the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Amen? Yes. All right, as our prayer team comes forward, I'm going to close us out in prayer. Now, these are to be prayers of faithfulness, of prayers of refreshment, a new start, of joy. And you're, you're allowed, you're, you're, you're encouraged to come up, and then after that pray, we'll be dismissed. Let's all pray together. Well, let's do something different here. Let's all stand and pray together. Father, now, full agreement with you. We know that how much the song says we love you, but we know it's totally dependent on you loving us first. We know full well that that's the gospel, that God saw us, he loved us, and then because of that redemption, we in turn love him back. But it originated and started with you, O oh Lord. Now, Lord, give us strength this week to examine ourselves, to get in touch with ourselves, our very inner soul, so how are we going to finish well? How are we going to spend our lives as Christians and believers in this world? A world sometimes that we grumble against. You cause us to be grateful for the world we're in. The challenges that are there moving people towards you through the power of your conviction. Father, we love this place. We thank you for this opportunity prayer with the prayer team. Draw us back again. Let us examine our find time to examine ourselves faithfully. So we can close, keep that door shut on wandering. So that when people ask about us 5, 10, 15 years from now, a good strong report that he's serving faithfully, she's serving faithfully. They're strong. I can't believe they're gross somewhere. It doesn't have to be here, Lord, but somewhere. Father, for all we have in Christ, the one who knew no sin but became sin for us, we give you thanks. And it's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen.